Welcome to the Modern Extractor, MJ BizCon edition. This podcast focuses on the processes, equipment, and science found inside a cannabis extraction laboratory. I'm your host, Jason Showard, and I work professionally in the cannabis extraction field. Season 3 wrapped up in August after talking to an amazing lineup of guests who are making moves in the cannabis extraction industry. I'm currently in production on Season 4, and yet again, I've got some great guests lined up for you. Last week, I headed out to Las Vegas for MJ BizCon. It was an amazing week, as always, and I got the opportunity to talk to so many of the brilliant people that work in our industry. The massive convention floor showcased some great emerging technologies, and I was running around doing floor interviews with my new remote mics. We'll get to those eventually, but some of the best content that I had the opportunity to record all week was from the Good Life Gang media suite inside the Encore. So, on the show today, from the Good Life Gang media suite in Las Vegas, we've got Jacqueline McGrain, a.k.a. Shattergirl Jacqueline, Senior Vice President of Business Development for Boulder Creek Technologies, Fernando, CEO of the traditional market brand Voodoo Extracts, and Photon Noir, a master cannabis chemist and one of the earliest innovators who helped shape the modern extraction industry. So you've all heard me ask my guests to set the scene for us since this is an audio-only show. I'll do the same. The GLG Media Suite was in one of those double-door rooms at the end of the hotel hallway that you always kind of wonder about. When you come in through the double doors, you walk into a big main room, which is the downstairs level in a two-story suite. The main room was full of refreshments, beer, iced coffee, sodas, craft cocktails, and dabs and various high-end devices— 25-foot-tall, floor-to-ceiling windows gave a bird's-eye view of the Las Vegas Strip. Next to them, there was a step-and-repeat backdrop for you to snap a picture and commemorate your stopping by. Down one hallway, past the elevator and the staircase, was Studio A. Inside, content was being filmed for sweet sponsors in front of another wall of floor-to-ceiling windows overlooking the Strip. Back down the hall, past the main room, past the butler's pantry. Seriously, there was actually a butler. There were two more rooms. The billiards room, which was also set up for interviews and filming, and Studio B, where I set up my recording equipment. Studio B was technically the workout room, but after pushing the treadmill to the side, repurposing some swanky furniture, and closing the door, it made for a perfect little private, quiet-ish podcast studio. You'll notice that the background noise from the crowd in the main room is a little bit more audible in some interviews than others. This was usually directly correlated to what time of day it was and how close everyone was to going out and getting their Vegas on. Production value in the suite was high. Things were very well organized, thanks to Teresa and Mike from Solvent Direct. The caliber of the guests coming through was second to none, and I couldn't have asked for a better pool of talent to pull from. As soon as I'd walk out of an interview, right there in front of me were the who's who of hash just hanging out, ready for me to pull in and record. I'd like to take a quick minute to thank Lexis Schantz of Solvent Direct and Dustin Powers of Future 4200 for thinking of me as one of the media outlets for the suite. I'm honored to be listed alongside Blacklist, Beard Bros, Sidco Cat, and Immersia. While I'm on the subject of thank yous, there are a few more folks that have done really right by me recently and deserve an acknowledgement. When I totally dropped the ball and wasn't going to have any swag ready for my booth at the Extraction Expo, Sidco Cat told me to hit up Label My Bud on Instagram because they just might be able to work a miracle. Well, they did. In two days, I had Modern Extractor stickers, t-shirts, and lighters, and I wasn't empty-handed at the Expo or BizCon. A big thanks to the Label My Bud team. 
They were fast and responsive and creative and really everything you want when dealing with a print shop for your brand. Hit them up at labelmybud.com or at labelmybud on Instagram. Another big thanks to Killa12345 of Quality Stainless Parts. He got my logo made out of two-inch stainless steel triclamp parts. It's absolutely beautiful, and it's spot on. He refers to himself as the extractor's concierge for parts. You can find him on IG at Quality Stainless Parts or QualityStainlessParts.com. Another shout-out to Jason Bethel at Hose King. I recently had a last-minute job in Florida pop-up that needed custom hoses. I called in the order to Jason on Thursday, and he had all the hoses and pump flanges ready for me to pick up Saturday morning on my way to the airport. No matter what you're trying to transfer, Hose King has your hoses and your fittings. They'll make them up custom and quick for you, too. Look them up at hoseking.net. I should tell all you folks listening out there that none of these vendors paid anything to be mentioned. They're all just awesome, and you should know about them. And I really love to deal with people that actually care about what they're doing, and I want to see them all succeed. So, without any further ado, from Studio B of the Good Life Gang Solvent Direct Media Suite at Encore Las Vegas during MJ BizCon, let's jump into the show. Hey, this is Jason Showered with The Modern Extractor. I'm here at the GLG Content Suite at MJ BizCon. I'm here with Jacqueline McGrain, Senior Vice President of Business Development for Boulder Creek Technologies, also known as Shatter Girl Jackie on Instagram. Hello, welcome to the show. Hello, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, so tell us uh, tell us about what you got going on. You just recently started with Boulder Creek, in my understanding. Yeah. Um, jumping on board with something that is some pretty groundbreaking technology. So tell us a little bit about what you guys are doing. Yeah. So, to, you know, Boulder Creek Technologies, like uh, MJ BizCon 2021 is our public release party of our new vapor static extraction system. And so I'm really excited about it. You know, I've been in the industry a long time, almost uh, over a decade now. And, you know, I believe that this technology truly represents a massive shift in how we think about extracting cannabinoids, especially neutral cannabinoids. And so, you know, we uh, brought our big systems. We brought our 5,000-pound-a-day tsunami extractor, which has been pretty pretty eye-catching. So that's been pretty good. And the booth has just been incredible. The amount of interest in the system is, is amazing. And I think it's, you know, really showing itself out about my belief in that this is a step change from what we were thinking before and how we, how we can move into the future with sustainable cannabinoid extraction. Absolutely. There's a lot of stuff out there that requires a heck of a lot more in terms of energy consumption, in terms of emissions, all this stuff. Uh, tell us about how your system works and how it solves some of these problems. Sure. So, so for 20 years, you know, people have been trying to develop a hot, what's called a hot air extractor, right? You know, um, the difficulty is not really in the extraction of the cannabinoids. You know, the volcano, I mean, that smoking device from the, that was in the 90s did that, right? Yep. Vaporized cannabinoids in a hot air stream and you sucked it out of the bag, right? Yeah. You know, but the, the hard part is actually condensing those cannabinoids and terpenes back into a liquid. What happens when you vaporize them in a atmospheric, you know, hot air stream is that you get what's called a non-coalescing vapor. And what that means is, is that it's extremely hard to condense using things like mechanical condensing systems, right? Like what you would see on like an FFE or a rotary evaporator or, or something like that. And so, you know, 
many companies had tried to do this because of the obvious uh, potential of such a system. You know, For GW sure. Pharma, you know, one of their first patents before they got into the whole FDA approval process with their new business model was a hot air extraction system. But what they could not do is efficiently condense those cannabinoids. And so what we did is we developed a technology called electrostatic precipitation. And it sounds like kind of complex, but it's pretty simple. And what it allows is extremely efficient extraction of cannabinoids and condensation of those cannabinoids as well as terpenes. So how the system works is we use what's called a, a derivative of a flash tube drying system for the extraction. So air is being pulled through the entire system, very low pressures, like a couple PSI. Everything's less than one bar, so nothing has to be ASME rated. Okay. But it's pulled through a series of tubes, and they're like 100 feet of tubes. And the biomass passes through the extractor component in like 0.2 seconds. It's only in the presence of heat for less than a fraction of a second. And what that means is, is that you get the extraction of the cannabinoids, you get actually decarboxylization of the cannabinoids, but you do not get oxidation of the terpenes, which is really great because- yeah, how does that work? Those. Why is that? So it's because it's so short. It's literally in the presence of the heat for, like I said, 0.2 seconds. And that's just enough to decarboxylate the cannabinoids, but not long enough. So you turn like your, for example, your beta-carophylline into like beta-carophylline oxide, you know, and things like that. And so, you know, after the extraction component, you know, now we have vaporized cannabinoids, vaporized terpenes, and biomass. So we developed a custom cyclone system to remove the post-extracted biomass continuously and pump it out via a rotary airlock. And then we have a scrubber and shock cooling system that brings down the temperature and forms like a fog. If you actually like push it out of the system without running it through the condenser. It's like a white cloud. Like you could put your face in it and you get incredibly high, you know? It would be like the greatest volcano hit ever, <laughs> you know? I actually was talking to Steve Bondi at the Extraction Expo who works with you over at Boulder Creek. And uh, he showed me a video that I think you shot on a drone yeah. with the smokestack coming out of that building. Cause so you had turned off your condenser at that point. And because the condenser was turned off, it's just pumping this fog out. Yeah. I hope you guys aren't your school. <laughs> oh man, dude. it was, you know, you could really hotbox a place. Like if you were going to throw a party, like, and just like put the exhaust stack, like into the, into the wind suite here, <laughs> like all the good life gang peeps would be like mad, mad stone. But I think they already are. Yeah. Even more, even yeah. more than usual, Right. And so, so then the vaporized, uh, that fog with the cannabinoids and terps passes into the electrostatic precipitator. And what happens is, is in the electrostatic precipitator, there is an electromagnetic field. And that is literally, you can imagine a fog, right? As like uh, a, a lot of little particles flying around or just super teeny, right? And so the they're slightly charged, right? And so the electromagnetic field will pull those particles out of the vapor stream and cause them to hit the sidewall of our collector core. And then what happens is, is they turn back into a liquid and then flow out of the system and continuously pumped out. So our system continuously rotary airlocks in biomass, continuously rotary airlocks out post-extracted biomass, and continuously pumps out finished vapor static concentrate. So let's talk about what that eventually turns into. What When you pull out the vapor static concentrate out of, I would imagine you use some kind of a gear pump to pump it out? Yeah. So you pump this out, what state is that in? What would it be most 
easily compared to from stuff that it, the extraction world knows already. Sure. So it, it's kind of hard actually to compare it to things that we would think of, you know, like cr like ethanol crude oil, CO2 crude oil. Um, it's almost like a pre-distillate form, right? So essentially the oil coming out, first of all, we're getting 90% extraction efficiency on the cannabinoid content. So really high extraction efficiency. And the oil is going to be a very high potency. So for example, right before we came, I was running some 8% CBD biomass, and I was getting 80% cannabinoid content right out of the machine for the vapor static concentrate. The most important and most interesting things in my mind are that it has no sugar, no chlorophyll, right? Sugars and chlorophyll are like what just, you know, as you know, destroy gear pumps. You know, it, when I was designing labs and doing consulting, the number one thing everyone would always be burning through is gear pumps on their thin film systems. So with no sugar and no chlorophyll, you don't get any of those issues with that black deposition that destroys your feed tanks and destroys your gear pumps. So no sugar, no chlorophyll, huge things. And I spent a ton of time, you know, as a scientist, you know, proving out those claims, running many, many experiments. I was in the lab for like all day, all night for the last couple of weeks. And everybody would, would fight you on it back in the day. Oh no, it's not this, it's not that. You're just like, don't get the sugar. <laughs> yes, it's funny. Cause like, you know, our oil I think is so unique that we're producing and that, you know, it's kind of hard for people to grasp, like, like you, you know, they're like, oh, it's like crude. And I'm like, no, you know, crude has tons of sugar, tons of chlorophyll. You got to post-process, you got to winterize, you got to filter, you got to, you know, do all these things. You got to use cryo, you know, in order to get the extract to the right consistency. Ours just comes out of the machine ready to distill. So beyond the no sugar and no chlorophyll, it's low wax content. So we're talking like less than 5% wax content, a lot of phospholipids. Let's talk about that for yeah. a second here. So Normally, you run cryo, let's say for ethanol per se. Right. You would run cryo to avoid extracting the fats and the lipids and the other stuff. So right. that said, you're not doing that. Uh, you, you're not running cold. You're running hot, which in any other form of extraction, you run hot, you're going to pull all this stuff out. Why is it that we get to dodge that with yours? So you do get the small amount, right? We don't, we're not, like the sugars and the chlorophyll at zero, we have a less than 5% wax content. And the reason is, is because we're using a very specific temperature for the extraction. And as such, you know, the waxes and fats and lipids in all plant material, but also cannabis and hemp, you know, in the cell walls and things like that, it's a, it's a vast variety, right? You get all sorts of molecules. You'll have, you know, waxes of various, you know, polymerized lengths, right? Short, long, you know, long chain, short chain, and you'll get fats and lipids of a huge diversity, right? When you're using like an ethanol or a CO2, you're getting a, almost all of that out, right? And it doesn't really matter. But when you're using a specific temperature and vaporizing them, you're only getting a small section right around that and so what we end up with in the end is you know an oil that while it still has a small amount of wax in it's you know the waxes are not really what hurt your thin films and your your short pass it's the fats and the sugars so that's why we say that it's or sorry it's the sugars and the chlorophyll and so that's why i'm saying that it's ready to distill right so really, you know, the vapor static concentrate, in, in my opinion, is great for like edibles, uh, all sorts of things that you would use, you know, for pre-distillate products, right, for the consumer. And then, but one of the major things is just sending it straight to thin film, right? You could literally have the machine pumping the concentrate straight into the feed tank for, you know, a, a thin film system, any thin film system. I understand you're still getting the clarity that you would get uh, if you were using a winterized extract? So that's the, that's the thing, right, is that, 
when you run it through the distillate, it's ready to distill. The distillate you're getting out, you know, I'm getting 95% cannabinoid content regularly, but you do get that little bit of, of opacity, right? And that is that, that, that little bit of wax. But my thing is, is like, I believe that the consumer, as they get more, as they get smarter and more connoisseur about how they go, you see a lot of them being like, I want rosin vape pens, right? You know, I, I can accept darker colors. We get great color. It's beautiful yellow. I saw the pictures that you did with uh, Jay the other day with Chemtech, and those are some beautiful concentrates for sure. Yeah, the color is great. I mean, and we're getting immediate crystallization. And so, but... Um, if, you know, the consumer, when, if they want solvent-free, you know, distillate, and they want that specifically, I mean, they seem to be more and more willing to accept, you know, darker colors and a little bit less opacity or a little bit more clarity, right? A little bit less clarity. And so basically, you know, I think that the distillate that comes out is ready for final product. Now, if you absolutely required complete optical clarity. You could run through, because of the fact that it's less than 5%, you could run through a room temperature winterization on the distillate, and that'll be much more efficient, right? Because now you've taken out, taken out 25 to 30% of the total volume. Just like right? a methanol? Or right, what? yeah, have you ever done any room temp winterizations? Have you played I around with that? I personally have not, but I know of it and have <laughs> talked about it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So like, you know, you know usual winterizations, right? Using like 190 proof ethanol, you're gonna mix it up. <clears throat> eight to 10 or eight to one, one, 10 to one ratios by mass, you know, and um, sometimes more concentrated, but usually around there. And then you're going to run it through, chill it, wait for precipitation, wait for flocculation, and then filter it, right? And that can take a significant amount of time. So with room temperature winter, and you got to chill it, of course, which is going to take power and machinery. So with room temperature winterization, you can literally take methanol, mix it with oil. It could be vaporstatic concentrate. It could be regular ethanol oil, it doesn't matter, any oil. And it will immediately precipitate out the waxes, a significant fraction of the waxes, and flocculate out very large, large particle sizes. So you get these big white, when you do it on distillate, you get this beautiful, beautiful white wax, fat lipid kind of combo. And I think it would be the perfect input, quite frankly, for like chapsticks and salves and cosmetics. You know, they, you know, like Burt's Bees, right? They use beeswax, well, why not cannabis dried wax, right? But you can just then immediately filter it and then run it through recovery. So you just filter it, even filtration at room temperature. Right, and immediately after mixing. I'm, you know, you can mix and send it straight to the filtration and then straight to a recovery system. And then for example, like let's say you were gonna do like a double pass distillate, right? You run your first pass distillate on the vapor static concentrate. Then you winterize room temperature. Then you do a second pass distillate, you don't have to worry about any RSAs, right? You know, people have been a little bit afraid of methanol because of the toxicity issues. But quite frankly, you know, if you're going to run it through a process, you know, like distillation or even just do recovery with competency, you're not going to end up with residual solvents afterwards. Yeah, your condenser temperature on that is no way in hell going to catch and condense methanol. It's going to, if there's anything remaining, it's going to send it right on by. Yeah, it's just going to fly out through your cold trap essentially. And so, you know, if you require that optical clarity, my opinion is, oh, and the other nice thing about room temperature winterization is you can do like one to four ratios, one to three ratios. You know, I know people are trying to do that with ethanol. It's a little bit 
gets a little, because you can get some cannabinoids in it when you do those super concentrated and then you chill, right? So, but with methanol, you can do one to three, one to four ratios by mass and you can end up with just pure white wax that has almost no cannabinoid content immediately precipitating and then flocculating into these big particle sizes. Well, you got a good business idea there with the wax. Well, uh, there's something to it. So that's the, yeah, right? And so, you know, and that's the thing like what I want to bring to BCT, which is Boulder Creek Technologies, right? Is, you know, for the last six years, you know, I've been running my consulting company, Cannabinoid Consulting, uh, doing lab design all over the world for cannabis and hemp facilities. And I want to bring a more consultative sales approach mm -hmm. to BCT. So instead of just like selling a system, right, which is great, but I want to sell a solution to people. So I want to be able to provide, you know, integration, right? Do you need help with biomass handling? We can, you know, this company we trust, you yep. know, do you want to help with uh, thin films? You know, we can, you can go with a uh, Chemtech or an Incon or uh, the new MRX system, which is pretty cool. Uh, you know, whatever fits your needs the best and really help the client be able to get their lab in place and optimize the use of the vapor static system in the best way possible by having the best input and output equipment to go with it. Yeah, that is 100% the direction that this business should be headed in. And I think that it is the direction that this business is headed in for the most part, which is, you know, help across the board. And it, we ran into a little bit of a uh, trajectory where everyone was trying to make the whole suite for a while. Mm -hmm. And then we saw how that worked out. <laughs> there are very few companies where they do the whole suite well. Exactly. Now the, the companies that are rising to the top are the companies that do something well and then source the rest of it well with trusted partners. And I think that because everybody trying to do everything resulted in a lot of the stuff being manufactured elsewhere that really they're not doing other than slapping their label on. Right. I think you make such a poignant point with that. You know, when somebody would call me up and want to design a lab, right? They would be like, oh, I can get this full turnkey suite from X company, right? And I'm like, well, actually that company's, their core competency is like FFEs or something, right? You know, their thin films, you know, you can get a better thin film from this company. And so a lot of my business was really just doing that. Just being like, okay, you want this throughput, we're gonna go this company for centrifugal, this company for filtration, this one for FFE, this one for thin film, this one for decarb, and get the best core competency from each company. And so we wanna do that at BCT, but use the vapor static equipment as a central component. Absolutely. Yeah, that's been my approach for years as well. It's the same thing. It's like, let's let's figure out the best people for all these rather than just having the same logo on all of them. Exactly. Yeah, right on. Well, I'm happy to hear that you're bringing that to Boulder Creek. It, I'm super interested in seeing the machine up close. I'll stop by the booth tomorrow at the show and we can talk some more then. But uh, Shattergill Jackie, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure chatting with you. Look forward to seeing you at the booth tomorrow. And uh, yeah, have a great night. Enjoy enjoy the parties tonight. Oh, I will. Yeah, where are you going? What are you doing? Are you going to Good Life Game Party? I am, yes. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to be there be too, there. dude. We'll chill. Right, right on. So, so Catherine Sidman, who is, uh, you know, I'm everybody's... Lovely just mother in the industry I know. couldn't make it. So what I, I, she doesn't know this yet, but what I did was I took a, uh, a life-size photo from when she was on the show and I got it printed on some, uh, some what's it called, foam core. Uh -huh. And uh, so we're going to have head and shoulders of Catherine Sidman on a stick so we can take pictures with her. So she was here. Oh, I so got to get into that. <laughs> Catherine is like just one of the most wonderful people in this industry. And I was so sad for what happened and I like wish her the best. You know, Catherine, I am sending you all of my love, and I hope things are going well. Same, I do as well, and we will have uh, we'll have plenty of photos with her at the Good Life Gang event tonight. Perfect, sounds good. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Cheers. Hey, 
this is Jason Showered, host of the Modern Extractor podcast. I'm here at the Good Life Gang Media Suite at BizCon in Las Vegas. I'm here with Fernando from Voodoo Extracts. What's up, Fernando? Welcome hey, to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Ever since I uh, ran into you at the Carbon Chemistry After Party at the Extraction Expo, I've uh, I've been talking about, hey, we got we to gotta get you on a microphone for a minute because you've got some interesting stories to tell. Just battle stories. <laughs> yeah, this stories. is true. So you're one of the first folks that I've spoken to that uh, works in the uh, traditional market that wants to come and tell their story on the show. So I think this is going to be a really interesting view into what the real world's like in California uh, that, that listeners don't typically tend to get. So I appreciate you being willing to come and uh, chat with me about it. Yeah, it's just a behind-the-scenes parts that people don't really get to hear people get told the story they get painted a picture and i'm tired of seeing that picture and not having it portray what the real situation is what the real details are yeah well let's let's get into it let's talk about the real details so you're a california producer unlicensed correct and you are making extracts well it's soil to oil but yeah extracts is what i'm predominantly known for uh that's because we our biomass and our flour and everything usually goes straight to extract. Okay. So uh, one of the things that, you know, is when people hear black market, and I don't know if this is because it is um, a, you know, a ghost story or a stigma because some of the black market brands are doing it, but, you know, you hear all the horror stories about black market stuff. Like it's full of pesticides. How would you respond to that? That could be true. It depends on who you're working with. Um, a lot of the experience that I've had, I try to be as clean as possible because I enjoy my own product. I always tell people that. Like, I would never sell anything or give anything to anybody that I wouldn't consume myself. And I love myself. I want to have longevity. I want to be healthy for as long as possible. So I make sure that everything I do, even though it is black market, is to par. And I've been blessed with a lot of people that I work with that have been able to help me regardless of my status, the legal status that I have in the industry, they've been willing to work with me because they see the passion that I have for cleanliness, for, you know, whatever you want to call it, for yeah. standards. I have a you quality have standard. Yes, correct. I try as much integrity as possible. Um, that is a standard I hold for myself, though. We're unregulated. There is nobody looking over our shoulders. We can do whatever we want. However, I personally smoke my own flower. I... You know, my extracts, I enjoy my own extracts. I'm in it because I have a passion for the flower, and it all starts with your starting material, especially with extracts. So I make sure I hold that to the highest quality standard because then the better input you put out, the better output you get out. Fire in, fire out. It's, it's, it's 100% true. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show is because I respect your standards from the conversations that we've had and, uh, and think that it, it would be a good view into what is – what is out there? You know, like everybody gets told this ghost story of like, if you buy something on the black market, it's going to be, it's going to kill you tomorrow. And like, sure, there's plenty of stuff that's out there that is all bad. And there's plenty of people that are cutting stuff down that they get on the black market and then selling that that's all bad. So, you know, that does exist, but there, there are some, some people out there that, that have some passion for what they're doing. So I, I, I respect that. Um, what is it that made you decide to not, go the license route, being as good as, at what you do as you are? I don't think I ever decided not to go the license route. I think the market that I've built for myself has been 
traditional since inception. Um, the people that I work with, I end up building really close relationships with them. They're actually friends of mine. And I just feel like they are my people. They get me. I have yet to meet a you know, white market brand that I like dealing with or even people that I've really meshed with and dealt with because I feel like they're more on the nickels and dimes type of thing. Like they're trying to figure out how much profit they can get out of the plant and everything. And as we all are, right? I mean, everybody wants to make money in this industry, but I feel like the market that I have right now, like we're so close knit that I'm just happy. I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I don't have to ask for permission, um, which I know a lot of the guys that are legal have to do. And things take time and I feel like my business is more dynamic if I learn something from you let's say you tell me something hey did you hear about xyz I can implement it tomorrow if I want and I have nobody above me to tell me not to mm -hmm. or to tell me that it isn't allowed you have to apply for this or apply for that correct yeah there's nothing it's hey Jason give us a great recipe for nutrients let's give it a shot on this hoop house and let's run it and see see if if it's if it works for us you know if it, if it works out I can make those dynamic changes as much as I want and not have to worry about, oh, I have to apply for this and we have to submit this and we have to do that, which I hear a lot of people in that market have to do. Um, and that's one of the things that keeps me less excited about going into the, the legal market. Definitely some hoops to jump through. But, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, what is... Uh you know, what, what are the potential ramifications if things go south for you? Like, could, can you do time for what you're doing right now? Oh, 100%. Okay. Uh, so you, you told me recently that you've had a couple of big hits lately. So yes. let, let's get into that. What happened? Well, um, I mean, Blacklist kind of covered a little bit of the story about what was going on out in the like California desert. Um, I don't know necessarily that they knew the full details on what was going on. Um, I was on the ground floor, kind of knew what was going on. Y yes, there there definitely is ramifications to my actions. Yeah, we definitely could be in a lot of trouble. But it's a it's a game that you have to learn to play. And being in the industry as long as I have, I feel like I know how to maneuver through the industry through the through the tactics that you have to learn and apply to really make it. And we can edit. I was going to say, do you want to talk about like me paying off like city council people and shit? Or do you want to talk about wanna... it? I don't give a fuck. They well, owe me money. Awesome. They owe me money. Yeah. Like, dude, I just blow point, some shit up. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Cool. I just, I'm like, I don't know how, like you, you said, you want to stay neutral. You know what I mean? Like we're going to get political in this bullshit. It's going to get kind of crazy. Hey, this is what you think. Like, yeah. I, you know, I'm not. Yeah. Okay. Cool. cool. I'm, I'm All right. Cool. Uh, uh, you know, I think that was a great conversation for everybody to hear. So maybe I just won't edit it out. Okay, cool. I uh, just saying, I don't, I don't know how you want to get with that. Absolutely, uh, roll with it. Well, let, let's just be honest. So there's, when you get to a certain level, when you get to a certain size, let's say not even level, just a size, people start to notice you. They start to notice what you're doing. Eyes are very easily put on you. So when I decided to come out, people had asked if I had spoken to certain people. And I'm, I'm not going to give any names, but... I was introduced to people that supposedly could make sure that we could get to harvest and we would be safe and it was only going to cost X amount of dollars. So essentially, I paid to play. And that's how I feel. This is a feeling. This isn't a, I'm not, 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 I'm just saying this is how I feel. I feel like I paid to play. I feel like I paid the right people short of applying for licenses and, you know, doing that hoopla. 
I, I did my part because I have goals that I want to achieve and I want, there's a size I want to get to and there's a method to my madness and I, I paid to play. I, I gave the people their due. I mean, so let, let, you don't want to name names, but let's just to clarify, how would you describe these people that you paid? Like they are high ranking government officials, very influential people in the cities that I was in. Okay. Yeah. The people with people with power, the people that would allegedly give you a heads up if anything was going to happen. Now, what would their what would that the ticket on something like that be? North of thirty k. Wow. Okay. So you're not messing around. Yeah. No. And I understand. I told you my story. So the the situation that we were in was kind of out of our control. It was out of their control. There really was nothing that we did wrong. Um, it literally just a bad fall of the cards and that's how things went. But I feel like short of, like I said, applying for licenses and doing whatnot, I, I did my part. Um, not only that, but let's take it one step further. So what happened happened. They, they got the groves, they cut them down. You know, they, they, they came in with force, excessive force. They destroyed vehicles I had on the property. Were you there when this happened? No, I wasn't there. Um, the people that I had working for me were there. They were able to get out because of the way that we had our, our land situated. They saw them coming in the front. They were able to get out the back. Nobody was caught. Nobody, nothing happened. We weren't there. So, so draw a picture for, for the listeners out there. Let's say these people rolling in force. What do you mean by that? Like describe the the unfurling of events as best you can from what you've heard or what you know. So my what my guys told me is we have three guys on our farm and we have one that's a lookout, make sure everything's okay while these guys are in the hoop houses because they can't really hear while they're in there doing their daily chores. So he was out there, he was looking, they were coming up the road. It's about a 10 mile road from the main highway to where we were at. It's a dirt road. There is no real highway. And they were rolling up. Um, six to seven expeditions coming in, ex Ford Explorers, a couple cop vehicles like Crown Victorias or whatever they use now. And they were rolling in, coming to the farm. They saw them coming from a distance. My guy gives the horn. They run out the back and so they gives hide. The horn. Yeah. An actual. Like a horn. literal like blow horn. Beep, beep, beep. They put on music in the hoop houses usually. So it's, yeah. it's literally an air horn. Beep, beep, boom. You got to run. You know, you hear that something's going on. Someone's coming up the road and it ain't somebody we know. So they run out. They're hiding in the desert watching everything get destroyed. Like with binoculars. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two of the guys had binoculars. The one guy didn't have binoculars, but two of the guys had them. They run away from the site. Um, they get to a, a vantage point that we kind of already set up to where they had food and water there. So if anything were to happen, they can literally hunker down, hide there. It'd be really difficult for them to be found. And they're, they're watching the site. The guys come in. They ram our truck, our, our truck that we use for water. And this is another thing, too. The, the blacklist says that people are out there stealing water and this, that, and the other. We don't steal water. I would pay $1,100 a month to get water delivered to my spot. I paid for my water. I didn't steal anything. Okay. didn't steal electricity. I paid for all the gasoline that powered all my generators, that powered all my lights. I stole nothing from anybody. I'm not a thief. Not cartel affiliated either. That's something they like to throw around a lot as well. Not cartel affiliated, not a thief. I don't steal. I pay all my bills. So 
Including the ones that are apparently for not what you paid for. Correct. <laughs> Correct. So um, the guys come in caravan. My guys aren't there. They're yelling on the bullhorn. Come out, come out. You know, anybody that's on the property, come out. The guys said that they were scared. They were just look, watching them. And one guy comes out, goes through the hoop houses, doesn't see anything. And another guy rams our truck in his Ford Expedition as hard as he can, destroys the entire uh, windshield of it because he crashed the, the hood into the windshield. They go into the trailer, start tearing things out, throwing things all over the floor. Um, they can see this whole thing happening. Another guy backs into our, the back of our trailer, destroying the back of the trailer with another cop vehicle. And then they go in there, the trucks that are going to cut everything down, which that was something that was really weird. They cut the, the plants down, but they didn't grind them up like they show on blackface. They loaded them onto vehicle and took them. That was, that was weird. I don't know. They do that. They're watching them for a couple hours. They're watching them cut down all the plants. Then they start ripping up all the plastics on the hoop houses, and they take a rifle to our water tank. They hear the shots, six shots, boom, 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 boom. And the guys were like, we didn't know what they shot at. Well, I found out afterwards they shot into our water tank. So they watch this unveil in front of their eyes. So now this can't, I mean, I've, I've heard stories of this happening, and this seems like it's way, way outside of what the, they're legally allowed to do. Like, I mean, this is, there was no trial. This is just vandalism of private property. Correct. So do you have any recourse? No. Who are we going to complain to? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's Who are we going to go to? <laughs> you know? So, I mean, and that's why they can just get, get away with this cowboy shit. Correct. They know. Yeah. They know there's nothing we can do about it. They think that everybody's involved in this is an illegal or a cartel member or whatever, and they, we don't have any rights anyway. So they do what they do. So now there's a lot of listeners that are going to hear this story and say, good, because they're paying their taxes. They're getting taxed, and they say that the black market is what causes the system to be so broken and the taxes to be so high. How would you respond to that? I have an accountant that I work with. I have a CPA that I work with. I probably pay more taxes than anybody that would make a statement like that. Um, I, I pay taxes in a different way. There's, it's not equal. It's not the same. I actually get taxed a lot more. And it really bothers me when people say that because I think it's a statement like when people say, oh, all those girls are cartel girls or all those people are, are thieves. They steal water. They steal power. Yes, those people are out there. I will not deny that at all. But but to, to say something like that and just kind of a blanket statement, it's like, no, like I, I, I told, uh, I was on chat with Sitco Cat and I told her the same thing. I said, hey, I'll, I love you to death. I'll show you my tax returns and you can let the people know that I'm not lying. I pay taxes and I pay a lot more taxes than a lot, a lot of the people that make statements like that. Um, taxes is something that everybody has to pay. I always joke and say that my biggest partner is Uncle Sam and he gets his cut regardless of how good or how bad we do. And I really mean that. Like it, it really, again, the phrase pay to play, I use that a lot and I feel like I give everybody their fair shake. Whether it be Uncle Sam or my employees or whatever it is, everybody gets a fair shake. Everybody gets a piece of the pie. All right. That makes sense. So we talked about your grows and what happened there. Uh, what about 
the processing. I mean, this being the modern extractor, I think this is actually the first time I've ever talked about cultivation on the show. So uh, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) It was a very interesting way to do it. Um, So uh, moving on to processing, what, what kind of processing do you do? So we do hydrocarbon processing, really whatever, whatever the the clients ask for. So our, my primary source of business is white labeling. We white label a lot of extracts to companies on the market already. Um, that's been my sort of claim to fame is somebody has a license and they want to work and we usually white label product to them. They already have everything they need. They shoot it out. That's where we go. But I mean, you name it, we make it from shatter to batter to crumble to sugar to, to diamonds to sauce, whatever it is. Whatever's on the menu, that's what we that's what we make. You work in, in, in ethanol at all? Um, we do a tiny bit of ethanol, just on a smaller scale. Um, I have a couple guys that really in, like have big cart brands, so we make the distillate for them, things like that. I work with other um, extractors that are strictly distillation experts and we, we move there. Yeah, just a tiny bit in ethanol. I really don't don't really work too much there. Understood. So uh, I know that there is a pretty prevalent uh, scenario where there will be a black market producer that's doing things honorably, such as yourself, as far as pesticides and, you know, just clean, true processes and using good instrumentation and all of that. Um that will make quality extracts that will pass tests that if they were in metric would be cat three products um, or, you know, state sanctioned products. Uh, It's not uncommon for things to go from someone such as yourself to a lab that is licensed and it gets kind of backdoored into metric. Uh, You care to get into how that works or what that looks like? It's not my area of expertise. Understand. But, that is where our product ends up. How, I mean, there's tons of loopholes we can talk about, but how they do it, I don't really know. Um, I just know that that's where our product ends up. Understood, understood. Yeah. I would share it with you if I did, kind of out of my realm of expertise, but there are experts out there in it that can get that's it done. Different kind of consultant. Correct, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, it's been a pleasure having the ability to ask some of these questions to someone that, I respect that is on the more traditional side of the market. It's, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ghost stories out there, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. We definitely got to take care of those, those myths, debunk them, get a little bit more proper information out there. Um, You know, like I said, even when you try to play fair, even when you try to do as much as you possibly can, things will go wrong. Um, I've been lucky that I have a lot of friends in the industry that, have been able to support me and help me and guide me in certain ways to where I can uphold these standards that I have for my own brand. And and the brand is now starting to grow because before it was more white labeling, nobody knew who I was. Now I'm trying to push behind the brand to say, hey, you know what, this is me. When you get it from me, these are the standards I uphold and you know you get a quality product. You got some balls, man. It's a, it's a crazy idea to be black market and want to stamp your name on everything that's very easily traceable back to you. I mean, like what, I I would be terrified to do that. What is the thought process behind that? I think we're getting to a point in the market where saturation is a real thing. Mm -hmm. I feel like quality speaks volumes, but if people don't know where it's coming from, who it's coming from, 
what differentiates you from the guy that's selling slabs cut with CBD or whatever, you know? Teresa. Exactly, or pine resin slabs. Yes, exactly. I, I had a huge slab market. I don't know if I told you this, but I had a huge slab market at one point. And when that fad came into play, a lot of my customers were like, hey man, can you match these prices? And I'm like, no, because I'm selling you real slabs. This is real deal. They went out, they did what they had to do because everybody, again, like I said, is chasing a dollar and they lost a lot of their markets. So that kind of business also hurts people like me that have customers, that have big customers. And eventually they end up trying to cut corners and take shortcuts and you know maximize their profits. And at the end of the day, it ends up kicking them in the butt. But I feel like if the quality is there and people know you and people can say, hey, I have faith in my product because I know Voodoo is on the up and up. He doesn't cut corners. He's always as honest as he possibly can be. I feel like that is when you can grow a brand to maybe be in the white market and come okay. into it. Yeah, and you know, you get your stripes. Uh, in the worst case scenario, you're like, look, I've been in the game for X amount of years since back before this, that, or the other thing, and uh, always been an honorable operator. And you know, then uh, there's plenty of brands that have emerged from uh, from the traditional market and right on into the light. So, if uh, if that's the plan, I wish you luck in that. If uh, continuing your hustle is the plan, I wish you luck in that. Uh, Hopefully you're you're successful at what you do, man. I appreciate that. Fernando from Voodoo Extracts, pleasure to have you on the show. Pleasure. Thank you very much. I appreciate being on the show. You know, comeback's always bigger than setback. We're coming back next year. You know, they got me this year. Hats off to them. And let's play the game again next year. So <laughs> come February, you'll see us again in the ground and we'll see what happens. I'll let you know. We'll keep you posted. All right. Hey, if you want to come back on and talk about it some more, uh, we'll we'll talk. Appreciate you. Thank you. All right, love it. Have Thanks, a good man. One, man. Hey, this is Jason Showard, host of the Modern Extractor Podcast, coming at you from the Good Life Gang Media Suite at MJ BizCon in Las Vegas. I am here with Photon Noir. Welcome to the show. Hi there. Thank you for having me. So I just know everybody as their chosen names on uh, whatever website or uh, right. social media deal there is. What, what, what should I call you? Uh, you can call me Dylan. Dylan, all right. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Dylan. I'm a fan. I've been following stuff that you've been writing for for some time on the forums, and uh, appreciate all the contributions. So, uh, for those uh, out there that that don't pour over the uh, the forums on the internet constantly, uh, tell tell the folks out there who you are and what you do. Uh, well, right now I'm a consultant in chemistry. I'm a chemist by training and trade. Um, Worked in several different fields, uh, everything from veterinary medicine to uh, radiopharmaceutical research, uh, development of uh, nanoparticle materials, um, functional chemistry, and medicinal chemistry is really my passion. Um, so I started working on cannabis, uh, mainly out of a, an overwhelming sense of um, responsibility when I recognize what a monster uh, this invention that uh, my friend Fof and I had, uh, <laughs> friend of a friend appropriately enough, uh, had developed around uh, 2004 or so. Um, after starting a career and a family and uh, then kind of being out of it for a little while, um, I got back to it around 2013 and saw all the various things that were now being called CLSs. 
uh, the original was called the honeypot. We had debated uh, whether or not we should patent it and things like that at the time because there was nothing else like it. Uh, but we decided at the time that it was completely indefensible, uh, not something that we necessarily wanted to uh, admit that we had done. So uh, we left it alone uh, for a couple of years, I think, before we actually published it. And yes, I believe Fof went on to work with uh, Grey Wolf, and uh, who you've interviewed as well. Yeah, yeah, it was a great show. It was uh, a lot of interesting information. It's always great to hear about, you know, the the old days or the the early days because for so long people were just doing this cowboy open blasting, which was not safe. A lot of people got hurt. There was a lot of explosions, all kinds of wild stories. Uh, and right. it was really when the, the scientists started to become more involved and say, hey, this is crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's a better way. Uh, so it's folks like you and, uh, and Grey Wolf and Fof that, that really laid the groundwork for a lot of this stuff. So it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Tell me a little bit about the early days and how the designs came about and how everything kind of went together. Um, okay, well, I saw you know what people were doing with open blasting uh, with butane just through pvc and sometimes glass pipes and things like that um, just pouring cans of butane through uh, herb through a screen and into a bowl um, preferably outdoors <laughs> yeah but there was definitely a, a lot of room there for uh, process control uh, specifically in temperature, uh, pressure, of course, um, the solvent itself, uh, it's the amount that was being used to extract the amount of cannabis that was in the pipe was really excessive. Um, and so I decided to build a sealed system. Um, I called it the X-Phase, X-Phase 50 or something like that. Uh, it could do about a quarter an ounce, a little more than that, maybe, uh, maybe 30, 40 grams. Um, it was rated to about 600 PSI, but I had, you know, hand machined, uh, parts for it, uh, built a few of these things, uh, with, you know, 15 micron centered discs, uh, for filtration, a needle valve at the bottom for control, uh, a nipple at the top for the butane, uh, cans plunger, um, with a, uh, a low-pressure braking uh, check valve underneath. So, oh, that so it you can spray filled. it in there when you pull it yeah. off, it doesn't come out this hot. Precisely. Gotcha, okay. So you'd load up the herb, uh, you know, put it back together. Um, it was just screwed together, uh, like a regular pipe fitting. And um, then you could uh, chill it in like a freezer, for example. Um, and it would get nice and cold and that create the pressure differential that was necessary to, and the, the cold temperature uh, of the, the steel or brass itself and uh, help the butane to recondense back into a liquid. Uh, so it would pull from the warm can, the can was being warmed by one's hand uh, ostensibly uh, and fill up. And when it was full, it would just stop flowing. And at that point it was, really done. Uh, and then one could take it because it was rated to 600 PSI, heat it up if they wanted, they could put it into warm water, uh, refreeze it if they'd like, or just go and uh, turn the needle valve and empty it wherever they'd like. 
uh, and it made this uh, uh, product that I, at the time I called shellac because it was very clear, uh, almost entirely colorless, um, and had a very faint green cast to it. I remember uh, when it was redissolved into some isopropanol. Um, but for the most part, it just looked like the glass that it was on. Um, and it really wasn't sticky or anything. I guess that's what people are calling shatter or absolutes now. Um, but yeah, it was very potent stuff. So now you made this, uh, this device, it started working for you. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, you're, you're producing some of the earliest concentrates that are out there. Now what? So you, you, you make these concentrates, this machine works, mm-hmm. it's successful. Usually folks first move from that point on is to say, how do we scale this? How do we get <laughs> right? Was that the natural progression for you guys as well? Um, for me, not necessarily. Just being a college student as I was, uh, it was kind of just a hobby uh, and to make people safer. So I made these devices. I only made a handful of them. I still have a case of parts somewhere. <laughs> um, I would like engrave little symbols on them that people wanted and things like that. Um, maybe half a dozen of them actually went out there. And uh, <laughs> I did some experiments uh, with jars. I remember welding, you know, using epoxy to weld a penny to a jar lid at one point so that I could get it thick enough to put a pipe into and seal it. Um, and that way I could put one of the jars into some dry ice uh, to create a passive recovery system, uh, just that pressure differential from the cold temperature from the warm uh, water bowl that the other one was in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it recovered the butane, but getting it back into the device after that, of course, was nigh impossible <laughs> because it was in a jar now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it proved the concept. Uh, and I figured if we had some sort of an oilless, uh, recovery pump uh, that we could do this. And that happened to be the oilless refrigerant recovery pumps at the time. I think the first one we ever used was like a, an RG 4000 or something like that. It was called, mm-hmm. um, uh, but I was approached by, uh, my friend Fof, uh, who was helping me to co-administer a website at the time. Uh, teaching people how to make their own entheogens and such from natural sources uh, to be safer, uh, to not necessarily rely on street quality uh, for their drug consumption. And um, so he approached me about um, making it bigger. And so I offered him, you know, my ideas on the subject and he said, let's do it. He had the resources and funds and everything to uh, we made it out of a couple of titanium pressure pots uh, and uh, a scuba tank, I believe. <laughs> and it ended up being a sauslet type system where there was a basket of cannabis inside one of the paint pots. Uh, and the material was uh, flowed over that basket of cannabis and evaporated uh, and came out as a gas and was recondensed and compressed by the refrigerant recovery pump into the scuba tank. Um, and um, we called it the honeypot. We didn't necessarily patent it. Uh, we just decided that it was indefensible at the time. 
wasn't exactly legit. So uh, we eventually just sort of published the plans online. So what, what year was this that you put this together? Uh, around 2004, I believe. Okay, so these are the, the early days. I think, yeah. Okay, cool. It's weird to call the year 2000 the early days. It is, right? It makes you feel old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Myself as Where's well. Where's my flying car? <laughs> I know, right? They promised us flying cars and hoverboards. I think the flying car is going to make it here before the hoverboard, unfortunately. Yeah, it seems that way. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'll take one of, those, uh, one of those personal drone helicopters any day. Totally. Well, right on, man. I mean, I, I think I speak for everybody that listens to the show that, that in saying that the, uh, the folks that paved the way in these early days when things were questionably legal and when things were really, you know, just starting out for concentrates, all the folks that paved the way, I don't think get enough of a nod or a tip of the hat these days as they should so i would like to celebrate that and say thank you for coming on the show really happy to have you here photon noir thanks for coming on the modern tractor thank you very much all right thanks again to jacqueline fernando and dylan for taking time to sit down with me and record some great interviews as always, if you want to hear about something specific on the show, let me know. Email me, jason at modernextractor.com. Make sure to follow the show on Instagram at the underscore modern underscore extractor. If you're digging what I'm doing here on the show, please leave me a review on Apple or Google Podcasts. The better ratings and reviews the show gets, the better guests I can keep booking for you here in the future. Stay tuned for next week, where we'll be talking to more folks from MJ BizCon. Season four will be out mid-November, and we'll be back at it with more full-length interviews from guests on the cutting edge of the extraction and cannabis lab science industry. A big thanks to Isada Venegas for handling business on the show's social media, and a shout-out to the new fools for bringing the funk on the Mod X theme song. Thanks again to everybody for tuning into The Modern Extractor. New episodes are out every Tuesday. I'm Jason Showered. Let's talk soon. Mm-hmm.